Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of hosting Jillian Sidoti again. Uh, she is with Crowdfunding uh, Lawyers. Uh, she's one of the leading authorities into syndications and advises a lot of uh, investors and syndicators. Uh, and she is uh, a wealth of knowledge that uh, investor community takes advantage of all the time. And uh, uh, she's just a great resource to interact with. So thank you for your time today, Jillian. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Uh, you've been on prior podcast episode as well. Uh, Jillian, uh, for those who may not have uh, heard of you, uh, just give us a quick background if you don't mind. Sure. I was, um, you know, I, I started off in, um, in, in the legal profession and then dropped out of law school and started a record label only to realize I didn't like being poor. <laughs> so I um, went back to law school, but while in law school, got very disenfranchised and decided that I wanted to get into real estate. Sure. Started working in real estate and kind of wandered into this world of syndication mm-hmm. um, where, because I was trying to raise uh, capital for our deals and put the deals together. And so that's how I kind of got my first taste of syndication. And then um, once the economy turned in the last downturn, I started practicing securities laws and, and started helping people who were trying to raise capital um, put together their, their deals and put them together in a proper fashion. Awesome. Thank you. And um, Jillian, as we know that syndication is a very uh, sort of a generic term where, uh, you know, different sponsors are raising capital, uh, which we know that commonly happens within real estate space. But, you know, at a vantage point that you are uh, and also within your firm, uh, can you help us understand what different uh, sectors of uh, uh, you know, asset classes you have seen other than real estate that syndication gets practiced on? Because a lot of times, you know, as you know, we'll always talk about, you know, the apartments or the self storages and things like that. But in general, syndication is such a broad term that gets used. So I'd appreciate your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, you can raise capital for any type of business, but to syndicate, to syndicate really means that there's an asset in play, right? So sure. what assets do we usually see syndicating? Um, for example, uh, I used to do a lot of film. Um, mm-hmm. So you would syndicate like an individual film as opposed to the entire production company. Or you might syndicate like um, the mineral rights of a particular mine or the oil and gas rights um, of somewhere. Or you can syndicate, um, let's see, any, any other types of assets like, um, you know, with mobile home parks, for example, you might syndicate the, the personal property that is those mobile homes themselves before mm-hmm. they be put they get put into the park. So there's all kinds of different assets that you can syndicate. That's really what a syndication 
is is a is a specific asset of what you're raising capital for. But then, like, if we turn to like what you can invest in, you can invest in you know anything um, out there. Uh, if you go into any of the crowdfunding platforms, they have a bevy of different types of of businesses that are available for investment. Um, you know, opportunities. Interesting. Interesting. Now. Um as we know, different class of investors and passive investors that come into it, right? Uh, we always say that within 506B, we are bringing on your close network of your friends that you always know, right? But once, uh, you know, you run out of that and you are obviously knowing newer people and things like that. So uh, help us understand, uh, Jillian, as to how should we uh, onboard the new investors or what should be uh, sort of our best practices that you, uh, we can implement to uh, you know, get new investors? What can we do to uh, get new investors? Well, the real big thing that you can do is do education-based uh, marketing. That is your best, I mean, I'm doing it right now, right? Sure. So you, mm -hmm. you, you go out and you educate people on something that they may not know to position yourself as an expert in the field Sure. So people can get to know, like, and trust you. And that's always the best way. And it also weeds out the, um, you know, it, re it weeds out the charlatans. If you sure. really know what you're talking about um, and you provide absolute value to potential investors, th that is going to set you apart from, you know, the, the people who talk a big game and just have good, good copy or good ads or good shiny marketing materials, you know, sure. is if you're really providing value before you're asking for something from those investors. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing. And then for also for, for the passive investors, this can, you know, this works in your favor too. see who really knows what they're talking about, who has just shiny marketing materials and who can actually do deal analytics and tell you why they're buying a property. Like, you, you know, as Simon Sinek says, start with why. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Now, uh, Jillian uh, is talking about deal structuring oh. and the um, sort of the active passive uh, shares within the deal. And let's say even the preferred returns and things like that, all the different terminology that come into it. Right. Uh, what would you say uh, should we the balance of uh, these type of structure so that the passive investors can feel confident that, uh, yes, I, I think the deal is structured in such a way that uh, I am getting the preference or I'm insulated from any downside as much as possible. Could you share your thoughts as a passive investor uh, uh, regarding some of these things, uh, Jillian? So a passive investor has to really look at, you know, the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, and I just did a, like, I, I did a deal the other day where I was reviewing it for a passive investor. And I kind of, um, again, the passive investor is hiring me to look at this thing through the lens of somebody who's not investing and uh, of course I'm looking for problems, but generally speaking, I'll tell you right now, I'm looking for a reason for the passive investor to invest. Cause I know this person hasn't come to me to ask me to review this without having a good feeling about it themselves. So I'm not there to dash hopes and dreams of living sure. a passive investing lifestyle, but I am there to say like, look, you've got to objectively look, look at some things here. And some of those things are how much is the manager paying um, uh, like this was a big red flag for me in this one deal that I was looking at. 
how much is the invest how much is the manager paying themselves <laughs> prior to getting making sure that the investors have a return on investment now let me tell you something management should get paid something sure they should <laughs> they absolutely positively should as a matter of fact I will tell you that a warning sign is how much an invest uh, manager is getting paid before the investors get paid. But just as big of a warning sign is the manager who's not getting paid at all because sure. then they're not properly motivated to work for you. So that's the first thing you want to kind of like look at. So again, you want to see, are these management fees in line with, you know, industry norms, mm -hmm. then you want to see if they're actually accounted for in the use of proceeds table. So this deal I was looking at the other day, the, the fees were a little high. Okay, no big deal, fees are high. But then I did the math on the fees mm -hmm. and the fees weren't actually noted in the use of proceeds. So they had, here's our purchase price for the property. Here are our closing costs. Here is what we're gonna use on rehab. The end. Wow. <laughs> Where are the fees? Right. You said you were gonna pay yourself all these fees. So sure. where are those coming out of? And so I, I, when I see glaring accounting errors like that, I get a little nervous because sure. does that mean that the, the fees are going to be carried forward? And if in fact those fees are getting carried forward, right? Sure. Then, um, then that means that is going to dig further into the profits of the, of the, of the members. So you've got to really, did they do good math? Good math. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's proper English, but if, <laughs> did they do, did they do the math right? Um, and if they didn't do the math right, then, then, then go and dig deeper. Uh, is this going to work? Sure, uh, and sure. then do like, you should just be doing math the entire time. Uh, like for example, if they're saying um, our rehab costs are going to be $500,000 and it's a 200 unit apartment building, that's not a lot of rehab per, per, Per unit, right? Well, it's, right? It's like $2,500 per unit. So uh, is that really enough? Probably not. You got it. You got to kind of analyze these numbers that they put in front of you. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that, that's a valuable insight right there, uh, Jillian. I mean, there could be several things that come out of it, right? Whether the syndicator really knows what they're doing, or mm -hmm. perhaps if they know that perhaps it may not have been a mistake, right? Or if they don't know, they wouldn't even realize that Oh geez, we have uh, you know probably forego or have not or, or made a legal mistake for that matter by not disclosing some of these things, right? I mean, not disclosing uh, fees in my opinion is a big red flag. That oh, me too. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, now speaking of these uh, fees, uh, Jillian, right? Uh, you stated uh, just now that. Uh, you know, sort of inline fees or what's an expected, uh, expected uh, sort of a compensation uh, of fees, which, which we call like an acquisition fees and things like that. W what sort of are the, uh, you know, generally acceptable fees that you have seen so far uh, that, you know, typically would consider that, yes, that looks normal, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you want to look at an acquisition fee between one and 3%. Um, you want to look at a disposition fee between one and 3%, uh, refinance fee between one and 2%, uh, ongoing, you know, asset management fee, especially if, you know, especially if there, it's, it, it's a bigger building, um, because they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to manage the property manager. So you, sure. that's again, one to 2% of the, of the total gross. 
Um, so these are just some of the fees. Usually they don't charge all of those fees. Um, and then and there's construction management if there's, if there's big rehab. Um, and then also the splits on the back end. What, what is the investor, what is the, uh, the, the um, sponsor taking as their carried interest? Interesting. Thank you. And speaking of fees, Gillian, uh, right, and the compensation uh, that goes for, uh, to the general partners for, uh, you know, like putting the deal together or raising capital and things like that. There are, what are some of the do's and don'ts uh, to uh, around this? Like, what's the best way to uh, structure the fees? Or sometimes I have uh, encountered, uh, like, you know, the leading general partners where they will uh, partner with a lot more folks and that starts to uh, you know sort of uh, bring in a lot more questions could you help us understand you know how that should be and what sort of uh, relationship that should look like the relationship between you and the sponsor uh, right so meaning you know like let's say you have uh, different uh, parties who are uh, let's say uh, playing a role of, uh, you know, doing the due diligence and uh, within the general partnership, or you have a, a class of people who are managing investor expectations and relations. So all of that, like how, how we should go about that. Um, as a sponsor yourself, you should, you should have a clear delineation of duties sure. um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, really write those tasks out and then, um, you know, whoever's like the, the head of the operation should have the power to make decisions, um, you know, to, to, make, to make personnel changes, if you will, if somebody's sure. not rising to the occasion when it comes to doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, regarding the fees, uh, Gillian, that comes with, uh, you know, let's say the raising capital and things like that, right? Uh, how should that be structured? I mean, should that be like just the, uh, based on what you raised or it should be part of a global bucket? What sort of guidance you can offer around that? Um, you, can, you can raise, you know, under 506 B and D, you can, or C rather, you can raise as much money as you want. But what you really want to kind of think about is, um, how much money do you need? And are you setting yourself up for success with raising the amount of money you need? And, and then on the flip side of that, like, so sometimes you have people who don't raise enough money, right? And then sure. the flip side of that is I have people who come to me and go, I go, well, what kind of, we'll take it in the context of a fund. What kind of fund do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I want to do hundred million dollars. Well, have you ever raised money before? No, then you shouldn't be doing a hundred million dollar fund. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you don't even know if you can raise a million right sure. now. So why mm -hmm. would you I, I understand shoot for the moon and you'll land in the stars, but this is not the place to do that. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Right. Now, uh, Jillian, what should be sort of the best practices of uh, sponsors? So as they are, you know, like doing several deals and uh, looking for passive investments and things like that. What have you seen uh, from, you know, a lot of successful sponsors that you have worked Oh, give us some guidance on what, what sort of uh, best practices you have seen. The, the best practice that you can have as a sponsor is that you, um, uh, the absolute best practice that you can have is that you set expectations and then you perform on those expectations. So for example, if you say to your investors, I'm going to report to you every quarter and this is how I'm going to report to you, that's what you should be doing. Um, 
Um, the, the, the mistake I see a lot of sponsors make um, more often than not is that they don't set those expectations. And then the next thing you know, they have investors calling them all the time at different times, asking them all the same question. And so if they say, look, I'm going to talk to you on Thursdays at 6 p.m. on Zoom and I will answer all your questions, then you set expectations appropriately and then you do it. Um, sure. and, and so so that's really what it is. It's about setting expectations. Number one, you have to set the expectations. And number two, you have to follow through on the expectation. Awesome. Thank you. And now, Jillian, we know a lot of, uh, you know, uh, investors or uh, other investors come into a, uh, a sort of a cringe where uh, you are selling the property and you want to, you know, quickly place that capital, as we call the 1031 exchange, right? Um, yeah. How can we perhaps bring in that 1031 money into a syndication? Like, are there any best practices or is there any specific entity structuring that we have to do around this to uh, kind of play into this? Yeah. So you have, so for a, for a 1031 exchange, it's different than just doing a straight syndication, right? So we, sure. usually mm -hmm. what you would do is you would have a syndication and the syndication is one investor in what we call a tenant in common. And mm -hmm. in the tenant in common is where your 1031 money would come in. And what ten a tenant in common is, is a way to own a property. So, so somebody who's doing a 1031 has to exchange like property, right? Mm -hmm. So that means they have to exchange property for property or real property for real property. They can't exchange real property for an interest in an LLC, which is basically what a syndication is, which is sure. why we say when we do a 1031, we're going to have our syndication investors, our straight cash, no strings attached, no 1031 investors in our LLC. That LLC is going to be one tenant in common in a tenant in common with 1031 people. And then we would have a 1031 agreement, uh, excuse me, a tenant, a tick agreement mm -hmm. um, that would govern that relationship. And it would run very similar to a syndication, except the structure, legally speaking, is a bit different. I see. So if I were to maybe perhaps rephrase that, uh, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jillian, here, in our 1031, uh, I mean, rather in a normal syndication, you have the LLC structure into which, uh, you know, different investors are participating, right? So that's mm -hmm. one. But in a uh, 1031 syndication structure, you're saying that, we do a tenant in common or a tick structure into which you have one arm, which is uh, your 1031 investors. And then right. the other arm is sort of that entity or the LLC into which you have the normal passive investors who are coming in. D did, that, did, that, uh, did I get that right, by the way? <laughs> Correct, yes. I see. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, th thank you. And um, also, Jillian, uh, in terms of uh, all the different things that you have seen so far, right? We know that uh, different investors get successful and also there are uh, syndications that go, uh, you, you know, south or they never uh, kind of come to fruition, right? Whether that's for all different things, right? Uh, what, what have you seen in terms of uh, syndications going bad or perhaps syndications uh, not being successful, basically? A syndication is not successful when you stop using clear eyes, right, as a sponsor. When, mm -hmm. you, when you get so wrapped up in, I have to get this deal done, that you stop, you, you start ignoring the red flags of the deal itself, or you're like, mm -hmm. I'll fix that later. No. I, did, I, I only one time in my life regretted not doing a deal. 
Um, so, uh, but there's plenty of times I've been happy I didn't do a deal. Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, I, I, I just want to say you, you really want to proceed with caution. There'll be other deals out there. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Um, just don't do it. And God, I wish I took that advice myself so many times in my life. So uh, if the deal does not feel right, just don't do it. Awesome. Now I can I can feel your passion there, Jillian. That I mean, <laughs> what what are some of the red flags uh, that you've seen? If you don't mind me asking, that uh, was that like something about the deal itself, or the sponsor itself, or perhaps the market where it was. Oh, it present? could it could run it could run the gamut, right? It could sure. be the seller. It could be the building. It could be the tenants. Sure. It could mm -hmm. be um, your and quite frankly, a lot of times. In my in my in one situation I'm thinking about, it was the it, the people I was doing business with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they I felt it just didn't feel right, and yet uh, I I let it happen anyhow, and um, caused me more problems than it was worth. So so that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> good good. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jillian. Um, now that you are a seasoned investor, you've been practicing uh, this for many years, Jillian. You know, what is your best advice that you can share with your listeners as it relates to syndications in general? Uh, the best advice I can give you is to, you know, again, look at the numbers, really look at the, don't, don't look at shiny objects, don't look at slick marketing materials, although I will tell you, slick marketing materials signal to me that somebody cares so it's not that you're totally dismissive of the slick marketing materials sure. it's that you need to look deeper than those if somebody cares enough to put together the slick marketing materials that's a good sign sure. don't stop there then dig deeper what is going on here for sure does the research support the numbers? Do the numbers support the, the, the use of proceeds? Do the use of proceeds support what actually needs to get done? So these are all the things you want to look at. Is this sponsor spending the time to tell you all the risks associated with investing? And if you're getting deals right now that don't address COVID-19, that's a signal to me that this sponsor hasn't gone far, far enough. Um, and so you really got to consider that. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you, Jillian. I appreciate it. Uh, how, tell with our listeners how they can, you know, contact you or, uh, you know, learn more about your company. Yeah. If you guys just go to, uh, you know, the best place to really find us is on Facebook because that's where the most interactive. So if you just go to our crowdfunding lawyers, Facebook page will help you out there. It's awesome. Facebook group. It's a private group. You've got to join the group. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you want to share the uh, name of the group? That way I can, uh, I can. Oh, it's just it crowdfunding out. lawyers. Crowdfunding lawyers. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Thank you. You've been a great guest, uh, Jillian. I have always, uh, you know, uh, loved your advice. Uh, I, you know, obviously follow you on Facebook. Uh, you always have knowledgeable posts and your advice is always well taken. Uh, so thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, uh, I, I wish you uh, well uh, through this COVID and uh, hopefully we'll get to the other side and we'll be doing a lot more deals then. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Jillian. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. 
Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Thank you.